Uh, the independent voice, the finder of fact, the verifier of truth, and the promoter of the arts. Here we are once again with 3D politics. Featuring creator of SuperPolitics.org, David Van. And, of course, every week, David Oldham, founder and scholar at ConstitutionalGrounds.com. And always, as usual, the comedian, political humorist, Tommy McKay, your fine verbal Viking, and your host for 3D Politics every single Monday night right here on Facebook Live. I think we've almost got it lit up. We pushed uh, a lot to come. We, we keep stacking up stories to do on 3D Politics every Monday night. Now, the 17th Amendment is a thing we've wanted to talk about uh, for week after week after week. It's the one thing that all contrarians and I agree on here on the show is that we must repeal the 17th Amendment. Finally, tonight, we're going to force it into being. We're going to talk about that later on in the show. Also, I want to talk about how many T-Rex dinosaurs are born per day. Uh, there's a new study out. We've got T-Rex dinosaurs per day that are born. And um, it's amazing, isn't it? Biden spoke. It's a, You know what's amazing to me is that on Monday or Tuesday, whenever it was last week, Biden said that he did his speech. And I thought, man, I'm going to talk about that. And it seems like it has been 10 million years since he talked. Also, we're, so we're going to talk a little bit about Biden's speech, uh, critical race theory, but quickly. Last time, I let you guys humanize yourself way too much, but um, I'm writing a new song about uh, uh, the, uh, the, the huge problem that women are having today finding real men and girls that are 30 are looking for guys that are 60 because all the millennial boys are just a bunch of sissies. And so it's called a fraction of my IQ where they both think each other is dumb because she thinks there's eight planets. He thinks there's nine, but they're hot in bed. And that's all that really counts. Yeah, you know, my mother's just the opposite. She believes a woman ought to marry a guy five years younger because given life expectancies, she'd rather him bury her than her bury him. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. What about you, uh, Oldham Van? What do you got? You're a person. What do you do? I don't know how I compete with that. You can't. No one competes with that. <laughs> oh, you know what? I will say that your wife, though, I have learned this week. I I only I only type out just absolute vitriol and venom on Facebook. I years when I ran for mayor, I quit doing anything. I love you, dear, and my kids. It's all happy birthday. You see my smile, bam! And then it's like nothing but vitriol, except for Lori Gracie uh, Oldham, where it's like, look. I have a flower. I like. Oh, I have a picture of a flower. Lori, look, I have a picture. <laughs> I only say nice things to her. I don't know what it is. Oldham, at least your wife's human. What about you, Van? Oh yeah, I tell you what. You know, being married to a sweetheart like my wife, I'm always the bad guy. Everybody takes my wife's side. I don't know about you, Oldham, but boy, yeah, that's a problem, isn't I it? I do too, though. Oh, he's well, laughing like he knows what that's about. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I was engaged to this gal. She was 17, a senior in high school. When we got engaged and I'm teaching high school now hundred miles away, but my students who are the same age as my fiance 
one day they just said in the middle of class, they said, what does she see in you? <laughs> I still say that. I'm like, what? You know, what is going on? But Van's very, very clever fellow, very handy with his hands. And I will say you do, you, the, the, the David, you, Van, you and your wife do have like a sweetheart uh, story from, you know, hallmark.com. Uh, I mean, it's super sweet. I robbed the cradle. I'll say that. Well, that's just <laughs> disgusting. Don't even say. <laughs> Good ones go fast. Take right? it to the mattress one more time. So, listen. Here's the thing that I really care about, and that is science. Uh, here's a story from LiveScience.com by Laura Gaggle. She's the editor. And as many as as the headline, as many as 2.5 billion Tyrannosaurus rexes once stalked the Earth. Now, one of the reasons this caught my eye was because I hate these moments in, um, in PSAs where they say every 15 seconds someone dies of something or every three minutes a thing happens that's bad. And the problem with those ideas and those, those formats of data formulation are that they separate the reading of the data from the time and the space that they took the reading. And so let me illustrate the point to explain to you. Did you know that there are, uh, what is it? It is three one thousandths of a Tyrannosaurus rex is born every day. Three one thousandths of a T rex is born every day. And the reason we know that is from this science, uh, lifescience.com. Here's from the story. During the late Cretaceous, Tyrannosaurus rex proud the earth in great numbers. As many as 2.5 billion of these dinosaur kings. Aren't they delicious? And there they are, dinosaur kings. And so there's your first number, you mathematicians. 2.5 billion dinosaurs. And then it goes on to explain that, the, that they lived over a course of 65.5 million years, which is your other number. So you simply, you, you mix together. In science, you just take the big canister and you mix six uh, 65.5 million years uh, with 2.5 uh, uh, with uh, a bunch of 2.5 billion dinosaurs, and you wind up getting uh, one a uh, three one thousandths of a T Rex born every day, or about 300, right? One in 300, which makes a T bone a day. I'll take that any day. Well, yeah, and also it says in the article there that uh, they're off by a factor. I'll take it. It's a stretch. <laughs> it's good. And I like it. It's as good as the absurdity of climate change, and because they they say here somewhere that they are. Uh, they admit that they're within thir something 13,328. They're off, uh, uh, notably by 40% or something, a factor of 10 every here and there. So this is the point, though, with climate change, is they take the temperature in Jacksonville, Florida, in 1976, and they try to apply that same temperature, even in Jacksonville, uh, at a later date, separating the time-space connection that the temperature data had in the first place. And so what I'm saying is the minute you say that the temperature from 1976 anywhere should match somehow the temperature somewhere else, that is to say that February's temperature should be the same temperature as July. It's ridiculous. The, the temperature changes. Furthermore, the earth, I'll try not to scream. That's what they told me last time. Just don't scream all the time. Just quit screaming. I'm like, hey, hey, only my wife gets to say that. So so the Earth literally has been moving through space at 66,000 miles per hour, and there are warm and cold places in space. And you can't say that 
there is in, nobody has the control group or the placebo effect for the temperature and if they come there's my final one i'll shut up if they could calibrate the human effect on climate change, the next time one of these volcanoes belches, you have to reset all your calibrations because the whole thing, all whatever your delicate analysis was that tells me when I start my SUV with the, the next time a volcano belches, just reset all your cal Everybody's back to zero. New game. Gentlemen, what do you think? Um. Well, just... Please. Otherwise, that. You know what I'll do. I'll go on and on and on. Well, you know, I think I think we wouldn't even be having this discussion if it wasn't for the fact that what they are trying to do with climate change and you know the 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 T Rex yeah. and 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 the dinosaurs and all of that malarkey is is that they're trying to get at each and every one of us. And if mm -hmm. it weren't for that then we wouldn't even care. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, what? Then, mm -hmm. you know, you have a, you have your opinion. I believe it's 6,000 some odd years old, you know, the mm -hmm. earth and everything like that. That, mm -hmm. and that's it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if it weren't for them trying to use all of this, this data that they supposedly have <laughs> to, to violate the rest of us, then I don't think this is a, an issue at all. Yeah. I think, I mean, what you, I think what you're, uh, what I hear you say, what I hear from what you're saying is, is that they, they search desperately to find any story they can from any industry they can to, to fit in there. Uh, Tyrannosaurus Rexes were racist, and we just found that out. You know, it's like, my God, they do anything they can. Racist, misogynist, homophobe. Yeah, that's why they're extinct. Don't you? That's why they have those short little arms. Let's face it, folks. Most of what you were taught in high school sciences class, life sciences, earth sciences, that was theory, taught as as a fact, but it's theory. And here's the important point. Science is that which can be proven repeatedly by retesting, rerunning it. Things that happened 6,000, 8,000, 8 million years ago cannot be proven. Right. They, they stay as theory, no matter how well, solid it sounds. And, and here's, a, here's an interesting thing. Theory is a part of science. Yes. It is not science. Nice. Yes. It, it's only a... a small fraction which has to be proven or disproven yeah. and it remains theory until you can do that and since belief it, theory is is belief or or yeah. theory per, persevered in mm. is just belief you can't necessarily prove yeah. it one way or the other yeah, yeah climate change is a religion you have to believe in it you cannot show with empirical science the direct correlation between man and the climate we don't control tornadoes and hurricanes and and of course uh, uh like everything else well tom you don't understand but, but, but we're still guilty for oh, oh god yes still guilty. of course still our fault and of course you know I, still white and male well, we can't help. I'm Indian, of course. You guys, you guys are white. <laughs> right. Me, I'm, I'm, I'm. And we can totally tell by looking at you. Well, look at me, these blue-eyed Indian. I just watched a movie with Charles Bronson. It was a vengeance movie. Choctaw's Land, Chata's Land, or something like that. He's a, he's no, a. 
Oh, yeah, he's a Cheyenne Indian or an Apache, and they, they rape his woman and take his stuff and try to kill him, and he it's a vengeance movie. Yeah, it's all bad. They called him the red-skinned N-word in the movie, and they let it play through. Hey, hey I want to throw this out there. There's been a thing about uh, they wouldn't say the racial slur when referring to a case law. Did you hear this story? In Yahoo, there's uh, Yahoo News had some headline, and this is uh, total wild hair. But I wanted to get your guys' input because uh, what we're having this is not only are they trying to rewrite history, what they're trying to do is deny case law uh, by, by uh, through uh, what they're saying is you can't even quote mm -hmm. words from a legal case if it has offensive language in it and, and it's not it's past the idea of uh i mean if you cannot recite case law then you then you're yeah. literally you're you're it's worse than historical degradation you're throwing away uh, uh your your sense of law uh, yeah. law at all. And, and, and Tom, it's not that our courts don't allow it because it is allowable as evidence in court in, as a finder of fact. What's not allowed is in our society. And what we're doing through private society, through a private social media and others, is we are conditioning the people to a totalitarian, oppressive, Orwellian government. It started out with saying, oh, you can't say N-words and you can't say, you know, racial epithets. In the, although if you're a rapper, you still can. Right. But, you know, and then eventually it's, oh, you can't say anything that, uh, you know, conflicts with the science on, um, on COVID, right? And right. then, oh, you can't, you know, say anything other than that Biden won the election. And, you know, and so what's happening is our social media as agents of the communists in, in China are conditioning us more and more to become like the Chinese oppressed people. And I'm convinced that political correctness is a flat out straight strategy tool of oppressive, oppressive totalitarian government oh, yeah. listening to uh david van creator of superpolitics.com expert on oklahoma state government and oldham uh david oldham founder at constitutionalgrounds.com what do you what was your response well david? i was gonna say exactly i mean i couldn't couldn't agree more to what david was saying the um the the politically correct speech is not free speech that's the entire point about making it politically correct otherwise it's incorrect it's improper and and it must be slapped down and this has been going on our entire lives i'm sure it was going on before we were even born we just didn't pick up on it and it is and it is increased in pace mm -hmm. um, lives except for van of course van just sounds cheap. I had forced it in there. Just that's how cheap it was. I could have let it go. But it's yeah, been really older than you. It was re just not really. <laughs> and, and it, and, but then the other thing is, let's also let's also acknowledge this: case law, as it's put, you know, from our common law uh, background, is only law when it is submissive to the Constitution. Case law often is lawless. And so. Okay, but at least, and I get your point, but at least case law is 
uh, uh, oriented towards individual case as opposed to a nationalized dictate. I mean, this no, is no, no. Uh, that's the entire point of the common law and and case law is it ends up being regional or national dictate. But based on individual case history, again, this is why the historical factor mixes with case law. What they're trying to right. do is, is wreck the history, even in case law, because case law, even if it goes uh, improperly, like you're saying, to the regional, I mean, local control over local area. So, I mean, you can, the, the problem is nationalization. We want to have some government in local area. We, you know, law, you know, there's no zero government. We need a government there to protect our individual rights. But uh, what we don't want is a one utopian nationalized uh, issue. I was pressed on Facebook. So, because I'm against the public schools because it's a, it's a social failure for 125. So you're against, are you, are you want to defund the police? I'm like, no. Uh, and then I finalized it with, uh, I, when they nationalize policing, then I'll be for defunding police. I mean, I, I, I'm passe kumatata, you know, here we go. It's, it's all about local police and local area. Van, what do you got? John, I, I want, I was looking up trying to find, so I get this right. One of our Democrat led legislators from the Norman area. OU campus is part of her constituency. Okay. She says that even though HB 1775, that is the bill outlawing our government-run, government-paid-for schools from teaching critical race theory, mm -hmm. that, you know, it's all the white man's fault, you know, it's that even though that's uh, likely to become law, that doesn't prohibit the individual's rights to speak out about their belief in critical race theory, to which I applaud Marilyn Bell for once again rediscovering free speech in Oklahoma, <laughs> something that the leftists have long ago abandoned, especially on our uh, higher ed uh, public uh, campuses, state campuses. And now all of a sudden they say, you know what? People have a right to speak their minds on our campus, even if the government can't endorse that. Well, this is, a, this is the same flip-flop of the liberals, yeah. and this is the this is the deficit that uh, uh, conser constitutional conservatives are under as we continue to maintain our stance, and that's more difficult than flip-flopping all the time. And the yes. liberals, 10 years ago, I was arguing with my liberal sister about how <coughs> she's, te she's teaching me about, how, well, there's no absolute truth, Tom. Yeah. That may be true to you, but I don't need that truth. I have other truth, and your God may fit in a jar. My job, hey, you know, it's like, you know, but now all of a sudden it's absolute. And yeah. things are absolute, by God. Everything is absolute. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it, it is total hogwash. And I'm just saying, Berkeley College, University in California, as Oldham knows, it's his old stomping ground here. You know, mm. not that you went to Berkeley, no. but anyway, but they were for decades referred to as the center of the free speech movement in America right. back in the 60s, where it was the whole idea of we need more free speech, not less, right. which I agree. Well, and, and now and, Berkeley's and, becoming the most Orwellian of society. Oh, yeah. Well, remember, it's it's good. It's good for the goose, not for the gander. Yeah. And from yeah. their perspective. And they're mm -hmm. the geese. The yeah. um, the the problem is that um, that they did have a point because they were coming off of, you know, blacklisting and and so yeah. forth and in and, and a repression of free speech. 
by Republicans um, mm -hmm. because of the whole communist threat, which is a right. threat, but the Republicans fought it the wrong way. I mean, it was illegal what they want to do, just hold them accountable to the law when they go illegal. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it's just speech and we're entitled to speech and discuss these things. Yeah, yeah, I mean, part of the reason we go round and round is because we're so deep that it's layer on layer on layer, yeah. and Oldham just chases his tail. <laughs> yeah, well, I want to say back when you know Berkeley was the the fight for free speech. Remember what they were being oppressed by was a federal government led by a Democrat, Lyndon Johnson, who was putting our young people into foreign wars for things that were questionable about whether they were antagonized. And then the outcome was not certain. There was no uh, declaration war by Congress. It was just an excursion uh, to support the, the industrial military complex. Right. And they were, well, from their perspective anyway, yeah. and yeah. they were being called up to, they were called up to be drafted and, yeah. and so forth for something they did that they had a, a complete disagreement with. Yeah. And, I can, and I can respect that. And they were not considered emancipated adults while they were being sent to war. They, you know, remember, the age of, maturi of uh, majority was 21 back then. You mentioned uh, uh, President uh, Lyndon B. Johnson, and, and remember what a failure he was. You're just, we're pointing out, uh, and the incredible, not only was he a racist, but he was a, an incredible failure. Uh, he yeah. signed into law on April 11th, the Civil Rights Act of 1968, which included the Fair Housing Act. And uh, and the fact is, he, he was a racist. Why aren't we tearing down the Fair Housing Act? Uh, that was all built by a racist. And, and look how the Democrats attempted to destroy the American family unit. LBJ's Great Society should be called the Great Societal Blunder. It's called the welfare state. And it has basically decimated, because it targeted the black families, it decimated mostly the black families. Yeah, it was designed to impact uh, urban ethnicities and uh, minorities. Yeah, didn't it? Well, yeah. it, it replaced the old man with the government. You kick the bum out because now the government will provide for mama and the kids. You know, that's largely the result. If it wasn't spelled out, that's, you know, was actually what it resulted in. But and the, the hypocrisy, though, of what's true and what isn't true. We're going to tear mm -hmm. down a statue of Thomas Jefferson, mm -hmm. uh, but we're going to continue to honor the Fair Housing Act. Yeah. I mean, who's a racist, right? I mean, wow. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and, and we did go through <laughs> a time of racism. I mean, the, the first half of the 20th century was probably one of the most racially charged uh, times. Uh, Okay. In, in, worldwide. And it was largely because of the in, uh, Industrial Revolution. Uh, Thomas Sowell, in his book, uh, The Real History of Slavery, explains with just uh, impeccable logic how it is uh, and I, uh, that slavery created racism. It's not the other way around. In fact, he does the historical uh, reality is that you, you, in the beginning of time, you couldn't sail across the world to enslave someone and bring them to a buyer. They just literally, you, in fact, you had to learn to sail. And he documents the fact that the 
the invention of uh, equinine, which keeps Europeans safe in tropical areas from malaria, wasn't invented till a time that's past the idea that Europeans could have been going over to Africa and rounding them all up. Okay, so the, the fact is, uh, ra racism is born of slavery. Slavery exists where people are vulnerable, not their color of skin. It, it has nothing to do with that. And also he points out, Thomas Sowell points out, that the, the indigenous people enslaved the other indigenous people first. Okay. You know, it's a, the idea that Europeans sailed somewhere to enslave someone is secondary to the whole concept of slavery. But the point is, racism is just where they pick who they're going to make. Uh, they pick who's vulnerable. Again, this is the failure of socialism because you don't get to pick the group. The group picks you. And slavery is when they pick you to be in the other group. Well, that's very true. Yeah. And well, and it's you know our constitution wrote into it such things as what Olin's referred to as bills of attainder. That's basically a a bill to make somebody a slave who is by constitutional rights a free person. Correct. Yeah. Right. He gets all mixed he, up with. He said, "I'm correct." It, look at that! I'm bringing I'm bringing people together. I love it. Unity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I learned. Don't hate me together. <laughs> I better be quiet. I, it only encourages him when I just do it. So. <laughs> no, no, that's, hey, you don't know how the, the cockles of my heart are warm. You betcha. It's no, important. You, you earned it. You earned it, Olin. When, when I found out you guys could agree with me on the 17th Amendment and its need to be a repealed, that was warming the cockles of my heart. Well, if I had a heart. <laughs> or I could be like Bill Clinton, you know, after the shellacking he took in the 94 elections and he changed his opinion on balanced budget. He goes to Congress. He says, members of both parties now agree with me. <laughs> in reality, it's, I've changed my mind. I've took a whip and I'm coming to your side. No, no I agree. <laughs> yeah, I agree with both parties now. <laughs> so all of them now agrees with me about this. Oh, that's good. That's, <laughs> boy, deep, deep, deep. Hey, uh, just so long as we agree. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, you know, now uh, we're coming up on our half hour break before we finalize the hour. And uh, uh, Van, because I'm having trouble broad, I can't, I'm having trouble doing the things I'm doing here, but I need you to look up something for me as we head up there. And that is Jackson Lawmeyer, who's running against uh, James Linkfire to fix his uh, mistakes, uh, senator of Oklahoma. Jackson Lawmeyer is going to be in Oklahoma City. Now, he offered us an opportunity to meet one General Flynn in, uh, in, in OKC. I want to send Company C to OKC, and uh, I want to get down there. My mission from my general uh, superior told me, your one job is to get to Oklahoma City on July, whatever it is, July, June, uh, June, what is it? June 26th. June 26th is when it's going to be an OKC. And I am, I need, I need sponsors to help us get 3D politics down to Oklahoma City to set up a live broadcast, uh, for that event and to take Jackson Lawmire up on his offer to bring General Flynn by our table. And that is our goal if we can make it. So as we get to the break, I want to remind everybody of that. Uh, uh, at the end of the show to remind them how to find them. In fact, I, let's just do that now if you've got the information, Van, because we've got just a couple of minutes before we go to the break. You know, I 
when he was on last uh, last week on our show, he said he'd be announcing that. I haven't seen anything yet. It's on Facebook. I saw it. It's wherever they're going to be. Okay. Well, it okay. is going to be the twenty sixth. Is a Saturday. Okay. So, um, so that's okay. that's going to be an interesting thing. I don't. Uh, yeah, I went to his website. I should have gone to the Facebook page. On Facebook, it's got it. Well, Clay Clark is the one who's opening the country back up for us. Thank yeah. God, Clay Clark. <laughs> uh, uh, because really, you know, also, I mean, what I've noticed when I I continue to argue on Facebook and Twitter because I believe that's where the enemy is. I've had friends of mine tell me, well, why don't you go to one of these other things? You know, and to me, I'm like, why would I go to the echo chamber? I, I already got an echo chamber here on 3D politics. <laughs> so, I mean, so I, I continue to wade out there into the Twitter land and the Facebook land. Sure. And I continue to be called, I mean, it's amazing what was said about Tim Scott by even our own Tulsa's Vanessa Hall Harper. I mean, she was literally laying into him with the whole Sambo, little black Sambo. If I did that as a as a, a Native American Indian, hashtag Asian from the Bering Strait, because really all Asian hates really American Indian hate. What right, there, you got. there it is. Yes, man. There you go. Okay. Now, where do I want to be? Doors open at two, which means I got to start now. Uh, <laughs> I'm already late. You're listening once again to your fantastic host, Tommy McKay, the verbal Viking with David Van and David Oldham, David Van from SoonerPolitics.org and David Oldham from ConstitutionalGrounds.com every week right here on 3D Politics Live, right here on Facebook Live. Now, listen, could you mind to put that up for the last minute here? Absolutely. I'm going to I'm going to promote that as we head out to the bottom of the hour. And then as we come up to the beginning of next hour, we're going to move into a couple of things that Van wants to say about critical race theory and the Biden speech. And the biggie that we all agree on is uh, the story about the 17th Amendment and how we're going to get rid of that. And as we finalize a half hour, we need sponsors to get the 3D Politics team to OKC Freedom Rally. Speakers with General Michael Flynn and Jackson Lawmeyer. Jackson Lawmeyer invited us to be there on Saturday, June 26th, and he said he would bring to the show General Michael Flynn. Let's take ourselves out because here comes the new beginning. There you go. The American Constitutional Republic. Affairs of state in Oklahoma. The beliefs, the principles, opinions and views of people just like me. This is 3D Politics with your director and host, Tommy McKay, comedian, political humorist, father of five, and former Tulsa mayoral candidate. Also with me every week, creator of SoonerPolitics.org, David Van, expert on Oklahoma state government, and also founder and scholar of ConstitutionalGrounds.com, David Oldham, political leader, educational speaker, 
and former state of Oklahoma elector of the United States Electoral College, David Oldham. Way to go, gentlemen. Here we go. Every... And now, Tom, we yes. can add to that constitutional advisor to city councilors in Oklahoma. That's going to be good. Hey, why don't you remind us about that? Because I know we've got a lot of one other viewer joining us. <laughs> well, we haven't. We haven't made it. We haven't announced it yet, but it don't is tell. Coming. Just tell us what you're doing. And and what we are what we are doing here at Constitutional Grounds is we will be holding a a mini course for the new um, city councilors. We're going to be going through and and examining what they are going to be doing in their job and constitutional positions, constitutional duties, and uh, positions for those responsibilities. And so we're gonna be running through the gamut of those things. We've got a curriculum all created. Um, we're looking at the 14th of this month, bringing people into our facility, a couple classes on that day, it's a Friday. Um, and so we're gonna be bringing those people in. They're gonna get the first shot. We will announce it if there are extra seats, but pretty much we're gonna be full up. If we have to move it to a bigger place, we can. But so it's full. Have, have counselors come in from around the county and, and around the metro. I was getting ready to be real smart, Alec, but I mean, you literally already got people. I mean, you got people are coming. It's not like a truancy law forcing them. Oh, no, no, no. There's no, there's no force. In fact, we have, we have city councils that are, that are, um, that are talking about uh, setting up a special meeting whereby all the councilors can be there. And it's a declared meeting that will have no business. And so they can all, oh. attend. and we'll see, we'll see if we get more than just the few that, that, you know, that we think will come. Others may come as well. And again, we want to be a resource at constitutional grounds because yeah. we will take the middle ground and we want to help counselors educate the public when the, when the public wants something uh, that's just nuts and can't be done we have to educate them and so we want to be a help help to that um and and if there is a problem that needs to be solved how can we look at it and solve it constitutionally how can we you know where they want to get you know all them if he wasn't on deployment right now overseas frank urbanic would probably love to be part of your event because we, I would love, I would love to have him here. Uh, Maybe we get a Zoom meeting, get him in there. We're gonna, we're gonna reach out to the other side of the state. We're gonna, we're gonna work on yeah. doing this. This is the first time around. Um, we actually had um, some, some friends of constitutional grounds reach out to uh, city councilors or prospective city councilors in the last council race. And actually hold withhold support unless they agreed to go through this course that we've created. Just that's like a truancy law. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. It was nothing that we. It was. It was. It was like you did what? And yeah. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I'm put in a position. It wasn't just them. I'm put in a well, position to now listen, have, them, have to rise to the occasion. So I thank is, all of our friends. This but. isn't without precedence because the Oklahoma Chamber of Commerce every year used to run boot camp for incoming freshman legislators. And they'd wine and dine them and then Mary Fallon would have as part of the event would have them over the governor's mansion. 
Okay. I mean, it was just that much of a twist so that, by God, you're going to vote for the Chamber of Commerce agenda. That was literally okay. what they were right. you know, pressuring them to. So, yeah. Well, we hope, I hope to throw this kind of an event at the Capitol for all of the legislators. Yeah. Legislators, yeah. and I'm hoping to do it every year or at least every uh, new legislature. Um, yeah. And and make it a thing that happens in Oklahoma, and hopefully well, it'll catch on, and other states will pick it up and do the same kind. And, of thing. and I'm thinking, you know, Frank Quinn via or Frank Quinn, Frank uh, Urbanic via Zoom, probably Don Spencer to talk about Second Amendment rights in city parks, things like that. There's all kinds of people who'd love to be part of this. And and you know, I'm 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 thinking that there, we're going to have to have a follow up. Yeah. Uh, because there's so many ideas and we've, we've got a couple of hours yeah. and, and there's just not time to talk about all sure. of the things we're going to be very broad. And then I think, yeah. well, I would like to do is bring them all back and have some specifics. Yeah. I would love to create some things where we can get them some continuing ed credit, things like yeah. that. Um, uh, it, it's called reelection. <laughs> That's well, your well, what about the? We talked about it last. I think we talked about it last week, or I've mentioned it so much since I discovered it. I just discovered that there is a loyalty oath in the state of Oklahoma. Yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, last week. That's that correct. Is something that every employee of every subdivision of the state is required to take. It's yeah, because it was just it was just last week when uh, G T Bynum was uh, talking about. Uh, 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 sworn and non-sworn, he said. And trust me, trust me, because you know it's non-sworn and stuff. <laughs> hey, but now I know you're going to bring all these people in. It's going to be broad based. What about that uh, that zipline Pinewood Derby you talked about? <laughs> oh, oh, that was me. I was confused. Now, how do we, I don't want to be a dirty capitalist, but how do we make money off of you? Yeah, this, this event. How do we make money off this event? Uh, I got to hey, get to I Oklahoma City. Well, I need to get to Oklahoma City. Do we force the counselors to pay? Do people who want to come have to pay? I've already, I've already told them it's going to be free because that way, that way we actually get them here. We can't, we can't hold them hostage. Do we start there and we have a tip jar? We yeah, turn we on the heater and add water for a dollar. We could do something like that. We'll be happy to take donations, but the gotta have uh, to fund that. Yeah. The real thing. The real thing is we we are working to you know as we as I always say we're working mm. to constitutional governance. Yeah. That's all we care about. How uh, we get well, there and, yeah. and right now it's out of pocket. You know, it's Lori and I okay. out of pocket. But we we know that we there are plenty of people out there who want to help us. Oldham, I got one thing you, I think, alluded to, and I want to be real clear. There's something called the state uh, open meeting law, and that a majority of any council cannot meet without announcing it and following all the requirements. Correct. You, if you haven't already, I would say maybe talk to someone like our district attorney, get a finding from him. Um, you know, does this kind of an uh, educational event become a potential violation well i've already talked to to people in charge of these cities and they they already know what to do about it and I, I would suggest I talking to they do. 
I'd talk to GT Bynum to see how to get around the regulations. That's what I'd do. <laughs> She, um, he has these private meetings. We was like, me and Vanessa Hall Harper agreed to call Tim Scott, little Bon Sampo. Oh, my God. I cannot believe the racist stuff that's going on right in our own city council. Yeah. And they call me racist when I'm an American Indian via the Bering Strait slash Asian American. If you're an American Indian, you can never be racist. Correct. That's why you guys are just like doing everything I say all the time. Yeah, you can own slaves two years longer than us white folk. But I still yeah. have a slave. I still have so one like slave. They can own casinos. <laughs> I lose money at the casinos, so that's yeah. not even a joke. You can't You're even... the victim here. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Finally, white man says, Craig, I'm the victim. That's the deal. My hands are tied. We are going to look. We got only, we got very little time, yeah. gentlemen. <laughs> And you know we're going to beat to hell the 17th Amendment. So, man, quick, what do you know about the Biden speech? I thought I was going to – I took notes last week. I thought, oh, man, I'm going to talk about Biden. And the only thing I can remember is the only union that Biden doesn't like is the union of states that are federalized. Okay? He wants nationalization to crush the union of states. But other than that, he loves crushing the individual through any union he can support. Yeah. So, I mean, other than that, what, well, what do you got on Biden's speech? It was it was two things at the same time. As a presentation, it was the most boring, sleepiest, pathetic uh joint addressed to Congress or selected representatives of the representatives and that. But if you look at it on paper, it is the most rabid in your face, flat out leftist radical, uh, you know, changing society. Insert yes. curse word here. Uh, Tom. <laughs> fundamental transformation of our society. Yeah. To use a Biden phrase. So it was both of those things at the same time. And if it hadn't been so boring, it probably would have freaked more people out. You know, but uh, that's essentially it in a nutshell. It, uh, it He pressed all the buttons, um, you know, so... Yeah, that, that's, you yeah, know, he, he didn't miss much other than it ought to scare you to death if you took him seriously. Well, they're pressing for nationalization of anything that can nationalize, and policing is the first one. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, consider, they continue to press this line. I mean, as a philosopher and a logistician, you don't have to be an expert in any area to tell some expert that they're being stupid. If yep. the rocket scientist drill is unplugged, I don't have to be a rocket scientist to say, hey, man, your yeah. drill is unplugged, you know? No. So, here's, yeah. Here's what ahead. bothers me in it. Because right now, in within the structure of, of our government, we've only got two places of protection. One happens to be a Democrat from West Virginia who, you know, is from a very strong Trump state. Uh, help me out. I'm, I'm blank here, Oldham, uh, that senator. And, and But the other is the Supreme Court. But Clarence Thomas just released a scathing dissent when the legis when the, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court refused to take up any of these uh, election fraud issues. Yeah. Any of them. I said on one of our shows, the blood's on the hands of the Supreme Court. There's yeah. only one. And, and who was it that agreed with me? Some brilliant guy smarter than me. I said, that's the only states that fight each other. Where do you battle it out? Supreme Court. And the yes. Supreme Court said, we're not going to look at it. You know, ask your mother. Right.
And again, that's in the Constitution. When one state sues another state, the trial of origin is the U.S. Supreme Court. Itself. And they totally denied to take the case, even yes. see it, which is well, blood yeah. on their hands. And that that they they legitimately have a constitutional reason to not do that, and that is because of the Fourteenth Amendment. The Fourteenth Amendment actually puts the judge of the of the presidential election. And in Congress lap, just as Congress is the judge of congressional elections. The problem is we don't, we, the people don't understand that to be able to force our Congress people on in both houses to live this out. And this is why our U.S. senators could get away with saying, well, I had a conscience against it. Or, hey, there was a, there was a riot and that, then I just I just couldn't take that because you know I I just it wasn't it wasn't the same. Just, the thing is, the Fourteenth Amendment remains the same, and the requirements of the Fourteenth Amendment remain the same. We've talked about them; they don't know them because we don't know them and force them to live. Them. All right, you're listening to the wisdom of David Oldham, ConstitutionalGrounds.com, and I believe he's correcting me when I say that the Supreme Court was wrong in sending back uh, or not seeing these cases of states. Is that correct? Yeah, but i, I got to throw the yellow flag here, Oldham. You referred to an amendment, but you didn't give us the language. We're not all okay. as smart as you, so tell us the actual language. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm here we go. To act like that. The, the, the language is that, that when the right to vote is denied or in any way abridged and in, and in, in, a, in an election run illegally is a, an abridgment of everyone's vote in the state. Right. Okay? No matter the outcome, it is an abridgment because it is not being done lawfully. Therefore, mm -hmm. the, the, the outcome or the, the people in that election cannot be sat cannot be seated. So Congress should not have seated any of the any of the Congress people or senators from the state of Georgia, from the state of Pennsylvania, from the state of um, Michigan, those states that ran there and on and on and on. Okay. Irrespective of any provable fraud, because what was provable is that they ran under rules not authorized by the state legislature. And that negates the entirety of their election they have to redo it but it doesn't count in the immediacy and that's the count for president so then that was what congress was supposed to do deal with on january 6th and they didn't and that's why everybody is right okay. hold on by your logic by your logic oldham without going into it could you say that by your logic that the the election was legitimately stolen is that yes. okay so van i'm back in the weeds they should not have seated the members of those states that didn't follow the law. Who is it on January 6th that seats members of the joint session? Yeah, we know. Uh, well, the 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 seating should have the seating of Congress people happened on January 3rd. Should have should have been dealt with January 3rd or or prior to January 3rd. Um, and then on January 5th, when the um, when the the two senators from Georgia were elected 
and then seated so that on, on the morning of the sixth. Those should not have happened. Um, those should have been dealt with right then. On the sixth was the date Congress had to okay. seat the electors from the various states. Uh, okay, what are you but, driving at, man? Okay, but again, they're seated on the third, and which is three days earlier. Correct. Okay. Correct. Um, my question is, was any of this the burden put on the vice president who presides over this joint session on January 6th? Well, he has the burden to, to educate the public, and he definitely did not do that. He never How spoke. Did, no. I don't oh, see no, no, anywhere no. in he the Constitution the where his responsibility is to educate the public. Oh, the, the, the bully pulpit and the, the moral mm -hmm. duty incumbent upon every um, no. Every elected official is to educate the public. Yeah, but I'm talking about a specific duty enumerated was he's supposed no, to preside no over. Duty me? of the There's no enumerated duty of the vice president. Sure there the is. Process. It specifically than, says he presides over it. Other than his presiding over Congress. And so, yes, he has the duty to to bring this up. Yeah, he did not do that. That that is correct. Um, we agree. To, he to failed actually, there. To actually preside is his duty. Now we have a, a pro tem because the vice president generally does not preside over the right. Yeah, I, yeah, I get that. So um, now now on the third he may have presided at least over the Senate because that's the only thing he has any jurisdiction over. Constitutional authority. Yes. Constitutional authority is only over. In, the in Senate. fact. I believe he swears in the new members, actually all of them, for their new term, uh, if they're not in the middle of a term. Uh, no, it's still a judge, I believe. I don't Is believe it? it's the vice president. Yes. Okay. I think it's a, a Supreme Court justice who comes and does that. But, you may be, yeah, that may be But case, he yeah, may yeah. be a part of it. But again, yeah. his only authority is over the Senate. He has no authority okay. whatsoever over the House of Representatives. Except for that joint session appearance. Well, only the joint session in his in his responsibilities, because now you have to go to statute and under mm -hmm. statute his response his his authority is limited. Yeah. And certainly not what everybody was making it out to be. I'm well, sorry, pro Trumpers, it wasn't it's not there. It that the authority think people were were being told he had and that he was supposed to take take up was not there again um, again it's he is one of 536 people participating uh, now me. he is to call he is to allow for objections other people raise the objections okay here's the okay. vagary van what do you got but here's the deal he was by at least a couple of states i know pennsylvania for sure there were two sets of electors sent to him so he did use his discretion to pick one set, not the other. Well, remember, I was there and I was there the day before and I was in Congress in the in the office buildings, the, the House office buildings. And um, and we were visiting with with a couple of different. Uh, well, with our congressmen and then with um, the staff of other congressmen. And uh, what they were saying is there was no alternative ballot actually put forth certainly oh. not by a state legislature they were put forth by um uh republican parties 
private individuals got together. It was kind of like the rump convention um, of 2012 uh, seeking to enter a ballot. Yeah. And, and so what, what I'm trying to get at here is the chain of custody of those electoral reports. Did somebody pull certain things to only allow certain things to get to his desk? I don't know the answer to that, but it does. It, it's it's quite irrelevant. Well, I think what it it goes to is whoever has the Secretary of State signature from each of those states, because I believe it's the Secretary of State that actually signs that report correct. to Congress. Correct. They yeah. they are the official now. Now, constitutionally, there's no place for an alternate ballot and for Congress to choose one or the other. Yeah. There's nothing in the Constitution that allows for that. Yeah. Now, to, to your point, in 1876, three states had inconclusive results, and they were set aside. It mm -hmm. did not change the outcome. Ulysses S. Grant still became president, but it was with only, you know, less – three of the states out of the then, what, 45 or 40 – I probably 40 at that time. Hey, if you're riveted to your seat with this discussion here, in just a few minutes, we're going to talk about Federalist number nine, Federalist number 39, Federalist number 62. Let me call Mary Rook. She'll want to be in on this. Everybody, including the one guy listening. Talk about the Federalist 10, because I've been reading that this week. And from it. Not me. I have a life. My God. You? Yo, come on. Uh, fake news! Fake news! Yeah, I know. You do not have a life. All right. Well, no, life. You know, life. Yeah, sorry to throw the flag on you, but I needed you to dive into no, no, what is it in the 14th that's, Amendment. That's fine. In the 14th Amendment, the, the amount of the basis for representation is to be reduced and by the number abridged, a number of votes abridged or denied. And what that basically means is if you have, you know, if you have a tenth of your population who've been had their right to vote abridged, then yeah. your your basis is to shrink. Your representation is to shrink by that amount. Yeah. When Here's you have a hundred percent problem with the election, then yeah. that's a hundred percent. Nobody's supposed to be sat until they actually have a lawful election. And, and here's the problem, Oldham. Between November 3rd and January 6th, there's no way to litigate any of those things. Well, to but here's the thing. Hey. Here's the thing. How, ma how many months before the election were, were we talking on this program that these states were going to have electoral malfeasance? It was going to be yeah. an illegal election because I brought it up. Before right. so it's not a surprise. But just like the pandemic, an illegal election, and 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 you don't need <laughs> to prove the fraud. Yeah, so but even ran... even Justice Alito, when asked to you know to get into it in the form of an injunction on Pennsylvania, refused to. But he said, just keep those ballots separate, and we can handle it later. And then he was told, well, it's too late. The election's. Over. I hate to bring this up. We have a red alert, by God. We are going to have to shut this down. And we've got to move to 
uh, the critical race theory for the next five minutes, and we're going to open up the next half hour, just like we do the top of the hour every time, and we're going to beat to hell this story about the 17th Amendment and how Senator Sass calls to repeal it and how we agree with him no matter how nutty he is. But talk to us about critical race theory for the next five minutes. Okay. So we've got critical race theory is, you know, some leftist academics, you know, trying to teach that it's the white race that's responsible and it's capitalism that enables the white race to, you know, just um, to destroy civil rights. That's essentially what they're trying. When they say civil rights, they mean ethnic minority rights and only the ethnic minorities that are preferred in protection status, i.e. Uh, Asians, you're not a protected status because you're doing too well on your own, okay? Like the Fair Keepy Act of 1968 from LBJ. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's blaming all of our society, uh, even saying the U.S. Constitution enabled racism and therefore is a racist document and our whole nation's founding was a racist effort. And that, and you know, you just can't find it. As I've put out here more recently, the systemic problems became magnified with the industrial age. If you remember uh, the cotton gin that Eli Whitney created, what, 15, 20 years before the Civil War was the method by which it made sense to uh, use the, you know, use scale, the economics of scale. And then all of a sudden they were growing a lot more and, you know, and they needed more slaves. That's part of the industrial age. That's the machinization or machines being brought into uh, progress. And it's like AI, it's mechanical AI. Now, then you have this big cultural change because all of a sudden with the industrial age, you have people moving to the cities where the big factories are. And that's going to bring about a cultural thing. And then because we needed a lot more labor, we started saying, hey, y'all immigrants, come on here. You know, if you want to farm, we'll give you free land. But far more people stayed in the big cities than actually went out to the plains to farm. And in uh, what happened here, you had this big melting pot happening. And that became the place where people started to say, well, us Norwegians, we're better than you Swedes. We ain't talking to you. We're starting our own church, you know? And that happened all over. I grew up in central Minnesota where town after town after town, if you ever listen to Harrison Keeler's Lake Wobegon, he'll tell you about all these towns. I grew up there, okay? And it's where people are known by their nationality, ethnicity, their tribal uh, affiliation, and then sometimes even the color of their skin or complexion or hair color or any of that. And so this is what's happened here. And the real racism then was stoked by people like Charles Darwin with his famous book, The Origin of Species, or, you know, the promoting of the most favored races, which is the last part of the title of his famous book. So... Oklahoma legislature just had a revote in the House. It passed by even more votes, and it's going to the governor now for a signature. And we're going to tell at least our government schools in Oklahoma, you're not teaching that crap around here. So, and nothing's going to change. They're going to yeah. teach it 
even though it's illegal, just like real ID and what they're marketing. The law. Yes, what they're marketing is flat out white shame. That's it. And Asian shame, too, if they can get away with that. Well, remember, it's all to set up a, um, a bill of attainder against the successful so that <clears throat> the less successful and the, and the lazy and others can take of their wealth. Yeah. So. It, is, it has been proven through science that the Bering Strait existed. They have found that people landed there. And I know this because I'm Tommy McKay, the verbal Viking, right here at 3D Politics every Monday night with David Venn and David Oldham. Otherwise, how will we do it? And so here we are once again talking about how all Asian hate crime is really hate crime against the Native Americans. We know that North America was populated by those Asians that came across the Bering Strait. To is, thank you. As we finish out this half hour, and we're going to come again at the top of the hour to beat the ever-loving H out of the 17th Amendment discussion. And I wish you would have left though. That was good. So that's true. So take yourselves away because you know how I like to do it. <laughs> that's right. Asian hate is simply Native American hate. We all came to North America through the Bering Strait. Your people did. My people. That's <laughs> Quiet on the virtual sweat. Sweat. Oh, boy. Here we go. Oh. Ah, oh, the American Constitutional Republic. Affairs of state in Oklahoma. The beliefs, principles, opinions, and views of people just like me. That's right, kiddies. Your fine host, your verbal Viking, Tommy McKay, every Monday night right here at 3D Politics. Joining me, thankfully, creator of SoonerPolitics.org, David Van, and of course, David Oldham founder and scholar at constitutionalgrounds.com and we are rip roaring riding into the sunset hopefully we can finish this in 30 minutes let's do it saying let's do it he's like i gotta pee so here we go i see your chat so here you go senator sass uh that is ben sass he's a republican from nebraska uh, Senator, this is uh, something that Oldham found for us uh, here at 3D Politics. It's a story from September 13, just uh, uh, eight months ago, uh, uh, September 13, 2020, and uh, from Steve Bias at NewAmerican.com. And he writes, uh, Senator Ben Sass, uh, Republican Nebraska, called last week for the repeal of the 17th Amendment, which changed the method of choosing U.S. Senators from state legislatures as, legislatures as designed by the framers of the Constitution uh, to direct popular vote, all right? And Sass argued that uh, this would give greater control to the states and reduce the nationalization of politics. He also uh, added, and this is from the story, different states bring different solutions to the table, and that ought to be reflected in the Senate's 
national debate, Sass wrote. The old saying used to be that all politics is local, but today, thanks to the Internet, 24-7 cable news, and cottage industry dedicated to political addiction, politics is polarized and national. That would change if state legislatures had direct control over who serves in the Senate. Let's uh, just remember it's the way the founding fathers want, and he and I agree that uh, uh, it's nationalization, and that's a bad thing. There's only two things wrong with the Nazis, socialism and nationalism. Other than that, it's just fine, right? I mean, besides the Jews. <laughs> what are you going to do, right? You hate yeah. the Jews? The only reason hating the Jews became a big deal in the Holocaust is because they were able to nationalize their socialism. Yeah. Yeah, and Tom, I want to say, if you look at uh, the uh, Bill of Rights, in the end, the Tenth Amendment, Oldham, you could probably quote it more accurate than myself. You know, those rights are those duties, those authorities, not specifically written in this Constitution, are reserved to the states and the people. We mm -hmm. have the House of Representatives, which is directly representing the people. We mm -hmm. have the U.S. Senate designed to represent the states. Oldham. Where am I wrong? No, you're, you're absolutely right. The, um, and I include the 16th Amendment with the 17th uh, because unless you take the taxing away from the federal government, the direct taxation away from the federal government, your, your, your states are still going to be yeah. um, at, the, at the behest of the, okay. of the federal government. 16th Amendment is that which repealed the prohibition on income tax, allowing for our government to create a direct taxation of all the people of all the states. Correct. So, this, so Oldham, you're, you're moving ahead properly in uh, the article here. Uh, the concept is that uh, uh, several factors should be cited as to what went wrong. Again, it says, if today the government in D.C. has dictated all sorts of minute policies, how is it that we're under more oppression than King George III back then? Several factors are cited along with what Olam said, the 16th Amendment, which allows Congress to enact a federal income tax. The 17th Amendment, providing for the direct popular election, provides the answer. The, in the income tax has given the Congress the money to get states hooked on federal dollars. Can anybody see the problem with the federal schools? Okay, they get them hooked on the numbers, and then teachers need the money, and then they're like hosed with a pimp. Okay, well, well that, but here's but here's the the thing, um, Tom, and that is that is that David has hit on the the solution, and that is to hold the locals, ir irrespective of the seventeenth and the sixteenth, being in place. We must hold the local officials all employees of every subdivision of the state including cities accountable for taking illegal federal money so if mm. if there is if there is a if there is a a program okay a social program that the mm -hmm. that the feds are not allowed to participate in education funding for num for one um uh food stamps or uh for h uh, hud and urban development and things like that there's no allowance in the constitution for the federal government to be in those things and yeah. according to the 10th amendment they are prohibited 
from being in those things because it hasn't been expressly enumerated. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the people in the state who receive that money, they commit a crime. They commit the crime of participating, aiding and abetting the federal government in the federal government. So so this is Oldham suggesting we use incrementalism to get back to. Yeah. (laughs) And and Tom, let me just interface on a state level uh, reform that would go a long ways to what Oldham is prescribing here is uh, for our legislature to proactively approve any grant or any money taken by a state agency coming from the federal government. I'll give you as an example. When Obama set up the Obamacare, the, the, the marketplace, Mary Fallon was just fine with that and took 52 million, I think it was. Yep. And then once the legislature found out about it, they had no. to proactively once sign. We found out about ask, it. Pardon me. Once we found out about it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the legislature was okay with it. Right. Yes. And all of a sudden there was an uproar. Okay. <laughs> and then all of a sudden nobody wanted to touch it, and they gave the money back because again the money comes with strings attached. Uh, so that's one of them. A uh, real ID. It's one of those things where our State Department of Public Safety took federal money, and even though our legislature tried to do a bunch of stuff, they didn't shut off the money supply, and our yeah. Department of Public Safety was already implementing real ID. Well, the, the superintendent of, of public safety needs to be in jail for that because yeah. he was expressly forbidden by state law for doing what he did. Yeah. Yeah. And And... Every employee, likewise, who has sworn, and this was the thing about the loyalty oath, they swear to uphold the Constitution and laws of the United States and the Constitution and laws of the state of Oklahoma. So if the, if, and being prohibited by the federal Constitution and the state Constitution and state law isn't enough. If you don't have three things that are telling you no, and you do it anyway, mm-hmm. and you're not in jail, that's the problem. Yes. Yeah. In fact, uh, it says, and again, I thank Oldham for uh, pointing this story out to us uh, from newamerican.com uh, uh, eight months ago. Uh, uh, it, it, the, um, the, the 50 states meekly adopted the 55 mile an hour speed limit in the 70s because otherwise they would lose fe- they would lose federal highway funds. This is the same way that I argue against federally funded public schools. They failed us. The idea from Woodrow Wilson was that we'll we'll fund the public schools to generally educate the general population and we'll get a generally educated population. But what we find is we've got a whole bunch of racism, a whole bunch of sexism, and a whole bunch of school shootings. And so that whole damn thing didn't work. The whole idea that federally funding a nationalized curricula through all the public schools where Kentucky and Florida and California would all be pushed through the same spigot it doesn't work. That's yeah. well, a remember, remember what's behind this. What's behind this is an attempt to focus to a to have to only influence a very small number of people to affect the entirety of 330 million of us. That's what right. the it's goal the, is. And the goal is and this is the socialist goal, the communist goal 
among others. But the tyrannical goal, especially, is to focus it down so that only, you know, I mean, all I have to do is get a couple hundred people in the entire right. United because, States to agree with it. Because ultimately, the utopia for the progressive socialist is lack of effort. They want a one-size-fits-all utopia. They don't want a case-based history. See, that's why I was mentioning case, uh, case law. They don't want case by case. They want one utopia fits all litmus test. You either have a vagina or you don't, and you either fit into the square peg or you don't. It's, okay. it's not like we look at you and calculate you as an individual. We're going to co-own your uterus. Poof. Okay. So one of the things I want to point out here. Whenever I, Van says, okay, I feel okay, like I'm in trouble. I, well, okay. I was going to go off on something. You, you kids go to, I feel like he's saying, you kids go to your room. <laughs> well, it, uh, this is tying the 16th and 17th <laughs> together. I just want to add, you know, uh, elaborate a little bit on Oldham's point because they do. They're, you know, so uh, within about 10 years after the 16th and 17th Amendment, you know, we had the end of World War I. And one of the unique things that happened there was the rebuilding of global markets realigned themselves using the U.S. dollar as the trading mechanism. It, before that, it was the British pound. Was That's the dollar at that time uh, uh, on the gold standard? Yes. Yes, yes. But here's the thing, <laughs> because the U.S. global trading machines all operate on the U.S. dollar, it's in the whole global interest to prop up and keep the dollar stable. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, we're able to spend our way into just such steep debt and not have to pay the piper. Right. That's allowed the federal government then to give away free money and control the states by controlling the purse strings to the states. Right. So that's how the 16th Amendment... Now, one of the other things that happened there, 16th Amendment was passed out. It's only going to be a tax on millionaires. It's not going to be a tax on anybody else. Mm -hmm. That's how it was pushed to us. Now, you know, you find out guys like Ross Perot are paying a net about 6 or 7% federal income tax just on their passive income through their investing that's called capital gains and then he puts a lot of money into municipal bonds whereas a working guy like an attorney like rick santorum was paying 30 percent federal income tax and he's got six kids at home mm -hmm. you know so what it means is our super rich are the ones paying less taxes and we passed the 16th amendment just to do the opposite. Well, and here's and here's the real problem with our tax structure, is it's not based on an individual. The the the, the government has provided you X amount of service, so you pay X amount of dollar. Right. You know to pay for that service. Right. Instead, what we have is we have unequal protection because redistribution. Hey, if you make more, you're going to pay although it's by percentage, and that's the key thing that they want to get you on is let's go by percentage, not yep. by a flat fee. Right. Because if it's a flat fee, it may be a lot bigger percentage of the lowest income and oh, a yeah. lot lower of the highest income. Oh, yeah. But the thing is that that government is then limited. When they can go by by percentage and get everybody off thinking about percentage, now we are... 
now the sky's the Hold limit as to what they can do. To your point, eight Sorry. years ago, Mitt Romney made this point. 40%, 47% of Americans are not paying any federal income tax. Correct. Yeah. So as you guys know, there is our intercom whistle letting our audience know, even in replay, uh, that that was the voice of David Oldham uh, speaking uh, wisely about the 17th mm -hmm. Amendment. I got to tell well, you, the 16th, but, 16th. But, but it's all in part and part. Okay, so that we've got to do some uh, due diligence to newamerican.com by Steve Bias, September 13th, eight months ago. And let's get back to it. But then he's talking about the 17th Amendment was passed. And instead of state legislatures and electing senators, the senators are elected by the voters of the respective state. So what he's pointing out here is there are little more than glorified House members now. And this right. is a demotion, the 17th Amendment. This is why Jackson Lawmeyer should educate himself from our show to understand why it is that his position should not be elected by the general population because that's a demotion of his position to a glorified house member. House members are like me, curse and yell and scream. And we say, oh, uncouth things. And then somebody like Van or Oldham says, well, what my colleague means is, okay? And so the house is uncouth and they knew it. And the Senate is supposed to be more refined because they're appointed by people who know what they're talking about, not elected by the masses like me. It's and, ridiculous. And, and to take that another uh, another step and a little slightly different is that they have a different reason for being there. In other words, their idea is to protect the state government and the state legislature, not just, you know, figure out whether the, the bill is something we want to do. It's it's like we need to protect the states because because originally the states were going to have to collect the tax. So if the federal government com comes up with the tax, it was put on the states to collect it. So if the if the um, if the individual peasant or the the citizen uh, objected, who are they going to be objecting to? The state, not the Fed. Right. The states, and so and so, by doing so, the the senators have a completely different reason and different take on everything than the house. Now, as you said, it is merely a glorified, and as I said last last week, it is a it is just a facade that they put on that they are anything more than a glorified house member. If a senator is elected by the people, who does he represent? If a senator is appointed by the legislature, who does he represent? Exactly. And exactly. so here it says from Federalist 39, from the article, James Madison explained that the while the House of Representatives will derive its powers from the people of America, the Senate, on the other hand, will derive its powers from the states as political and co-equal societies. He added that this aspect made the government federal not national, which, as you know, we hate national. And so there's only two things wrong with the Nazis. They were socialists and they were nationalists. That's the only two things wrong with them. And here it is, Madison explaining from Federalist 39, this is how you make the government 
federal, not national, is by repealing the 17th Amendment. <laughs> Definitions are everything, aren't they? That's me paraphrasing, Madison. Well, no, actually, <laughs> it's it's very, the 17th Amendment. That's, that's a very good paraphrase. Thank you. The, um, the, the point is that there is a difference between federal and national um, and federalism and nationalism. Uh, when you're talking in this in this aspect, in a in a physical aspect, when you are talking in a nationalistic aspect, as you know, populist and things like that, then I, then like Trump used, he's using I, it in a different context, and we have to understand the difference. Um, so, man. yeah, I I just want to put a quick plug in for sure, the yeah. author of this article, Steve Bias. Steve is one guy I could truly call a mentor to me. He's really? been involved in Oklahoma politics much longer. He's a professor of, uh, of government and history at Randall University, which is wow. a private religious uh, college in uh, down in Norman, actually. I had no idea there was an Oklahoma uh, connection. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. Oh, yeah. Steve's Steve's a dear friend and yeah, at the uh, GOP state convention. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. At his table and uh, he How and Donna that? are just some great folks. And uh, he's the one who publishes the Oklahoma constitution newspaper, which has been going on for 40 years now. Oh my God. The conservative index is, is him. Oh yeah. my God. Fantastic. I have no idea. It was an yeah. Oklahoma connection. This is a great yeah. Maybe oh, yeah. we'll get him on some night on the show. He you know, I, that's great. I mean, I ferreted around for a long time with contrarians to find something we could agree on, and the 17th yeah. Amendment was it. Uh, so let's press on uh, a couple more things with this. From the article, uh, once state legislatures lost this vital check, that, uh, uh, that is the 17th Amendment got passed, they had the power of the federal government by their control over the U.S. Senate. It is not surprising that there has been a dramatic shift in power from the states to the federal legislature. Boom. No longer is a Senate a bulwark against those who would centralize more and more power in the hands of the federal government, as senators are no longer constrained by the concerns of whose job is it to run state government. Because, like I said, if you're elected by the people, you're, you're beholden to them. You're not beholden to the screw the state government. It's just a, it's a popularity contest. That's all. And the founders talked again and again and again how the states would would restrain the federal government out of jealousy for their own um their own purpose and cause in other right. words their their calling was going to be in direct contradiction at times to the federal government right. and that would restrain the feds right right and <laughs> and it was these these 13 commonwealth states that ratified this constitution they created the federal government didn't create the constitution the federal constitution created the federal government the senate uh, is uh, it, the senate is uh, is not its own uh correct me here oldham the senate is not its own legislative branch it's part of a legislative branch correct Okay, yeah. it's so, a delegate when, sent from the with, states. With the Seventeenth Amendment, they become their own legislative branch. Right. They are. No, the, they represent no. them on themselves. No. No, Tom. Uh, to well, no, not not quite, Tom. But but what? There's still no, no. What what you have, and this this goes all the way. This goes back to um, uh, uh, Thomas Paine's common sense. 
where he points out that the that the House of Lords and the um, and the House of Commons both actually served the king, and that they weren't actually serving the people, and and the 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 same kind of thing is going on here. What you have is now, although we are supposed to be the sovereigns, they are serving government interests rather than having those interests divvied up between competing governments. Yeah. And that's the problem. The house was supposed to be, you know, mob rule. We might come up with wild ideas and the mob might, might have all these ideas. The states would come along and say, that's not lawful. We can't do it. And veto it basically by just not passing it. And it keeps the even keel. That's not happening. So to prove this in both precedent and practice, the delegates to the Continental Congress in 1776 were listed as three from each colony, and they were selected by the local legislature. I say local, the colony legislature in Mm -hmm. Virginia, the House of Burgesses. You know, and it didn't matter the size of the colony. They each were allowed to send three. The same thing happened at the Constitutional Convention in 87. Three from each, uh, you know, state legislature. Right, Oldham, is that John? I don't remember if the Constitutional Convention was three uh, only because I but yeah, I don't remember if that was actually the case. Um, I think there were more for some states, but they were only allowed, I think, on on key votes. Okay, so they I went as open votes. delegations. <laughs> pretty much, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> okay, but yeah, they were. Yeah. For for those who are interested, this is an article by Steve Bias from NewAmerican.com. It's entitled "Senator Sass's Call to Repeal the Seventeenth Amendment is a Great Idea." And in the What's end, the date on that, by the way, uh, that is September thirteenth, twenty twenty, eight months oh. ago, and uh, it, it finalizes by saying the repeal of the Seventeenth Amendment would no doubt please the founding fathers and should please anyone who supports the concept of federalism. And Oldham, I hope in the future shows we're able to expose to our audience and for posterity's sake in the recording. What is the difference and why we prefer federalism? We want federalism. We're not looking for nationalism. Uh, Getting that repeal through the present Congress would be almost impossible. However, uh, but readers can improve those chances by asking candidates for the U.S. House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate if they would support blah, blah, blah. And here's where I'll move to a tease for a future show. Sass, here's where I finally disagree with him. Oh, please ask your candidates to do it. <laughs> convention of States. It's time for the Convention of States where we pull together and and, and push the idea of okay. uh, repealing the 17th Amendment. Time for um, me to plug. Sooner okay. politics. Well, the, I had the headline way back in September. Uh, Steve Bias, he's just one of the many uh, great bloggers of Oklahoma. So braggart. Well, I was going to say, that, although I agree that there is good, good reason at times to have a convention of states, the convention of states people are picking up steam because it is about to, the, the call to convention for the state of Oklahoma is going to sunset in 2023. So they are hitting the bricks. And I spoke at, 
the Tulsa County OK2A um, last week, last week or the week before, and uh, and they had in another speaker, and it was the state or the state chair of the convention of states folks for Oklahoma, and um, and so they are they are out looking to re re up this call to convention. Mm. We do not want it. And especially yeah. not with this group. Well, this not group now. Nuts, and but they but I'm saying it's nothing too, but trouble. So to repeal the Seventeenth Amendment, which we all have agreed on, needs to happen. Convention of States is the only way to do it. Uh, and, no, it is not. But that's another. That's, Tom, that's a topic for another day. Not, the show. not to get into it right this minute. Next Tom, time we're going to do a show. I mean, not next time, but eventually. Yeah. You'd be yeah. proud of old and the contrarian because there was a special event about four years ago. Tom Coburn and one of the national leaders, Michael Ferris, were in Jinx, Oklahoma. And afterwards, Oldham and I were out in the parking lot with Michael Ferris, somebody I've known as a national leader many times. He ran for attorney general of Virginia and nearly lost. But Oldham just infuriated. <laughs> just, uh, I was just asking questions. Oh, I know, but he was too tired. He, he, he wore him down and he blew up at you. All right, we're going to finish oh, this thing off, guys. I talk about that all the time. And I, I keep you in, in mind as my witness that, yeah. that it did happen. It did. He puffed, he puffed himself up, didn't he? Uh, yeah. Now, gentlemen, uh, just for the fun of it, on the way out, I'm going to try to rush through last week's Tommy's uh, Twitter tirade uh, to let you know what happened in my life on Twitter. So here's a tweet from uh, a news check. Can you guys see this? This is exciting stuff. Here it is. Here it is. News channel. Like, what do you think about President Biden's plan? You know, he's going to make community college free. Now, to be consistent, my response was that government plunders. It doesn't make or create anything. Therefore, the hot, the whole concept of making college free is fake news. It's literally fake news. Those that create services and products are plundered by a democratic socialist government that suggests what is desired is now somehow a right. And of course, I give you the old stop the swipe from Joe with his ice cream cone. And so then later in that week, uh, I retweeted uh, Kevin Hearn said Biden's promises that night that he spoke. And it was true. Biden sounded like I'm going to free vending machines and everything else. And, and you get to date a cheerleader, you know, everything you want. You're listening to Tommy. Hey, uh, you're fine. Uh, verbal Viking and host with David Van and David Oldham. What do you got? Uh, Van? He missed the best quote. Vote for Pedro. All your dreams will come true. <laughs> well, I didn't miss it. You just added it. But further on the Tommy's Twitter tirade, here's this guy. Uh, uh, okay, during the conclusion of Thursday's morning session, Reverend Lee Cooper Jr., pastor at Prospect Baptist Church in OKC, chastised Nathan Dom during an address ahead of the official prayer for what he called is still wrong and still racist, Broken Arrow Senator ah, Dom. Geez. Now, what I said, what did I say? Please, hey, Reverend, 
separate your church from your state. Yeah. Why? Why are you bringing your 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 church politics up against Nathan Dom? He's he's a, he's only a, a government employee, and you're a member right. of the church. That's think, because Nathan ah, Dom is calling out sinful behavior isn't on that funny? part. But guess what? And Look at this. Pastor's not. This is great. On Fox 23 News, I wanted to show you guys this because they had a quote about, you know, they're doing all that stuff with the movie. And Leonardo DiCaprio is here. And, and look at him. He eats free. I think it's like a Kentucky Fried Chicken or something. <laughs> but I was so proud. I'm commenting as a top fan. Look at me. Man, I'm a top fan. Most relevant. He he, he eats free. even said you're most relevant right there. Leonardo eats did you catch any flack for your for your comment? Your most relevant. Comment? Well, it's funny you should ask, Oldham. But Leonardo eats free, and and I'm a top fan. Look at that. Uh, but yes, so once I mentioned that Kamala Harris is a bad role model for children, that she prefers mob rule by force of government, and that she's a predatory sexual opportunist, and that Harris is a communitarian. <laughs> and Nathan Dom is a representative and she's a fraud and then Ian the Tolerant he came on and told me everything I Whoa. need to know <laughs> Ian the Touch of Left that's the tolerance of the left right mm -hmm. there they are yeah 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 he, he deals with my substance so well so now here's this Tommy's Twitter tirade Mental health experts in Tulsa said they are concerned about COVID-19 impact. Among those of the Hispanic and Latinx community, the pandemic is taking a toll on the community. But they said that the solution is complicated. And, of course, what I said was that the, mental health, well, the mental health experts in Tulsa are nuts, Dr. Dart. Okay, Serious mental ah. illness does not hit blacks or Thank Latinos you. Thank any you. or and anyone else. Thank you. Expert on mental health, David Van. Yeah, this is us. garbage. Absolute it's victimization. It's fear porn from News on Six, which is boom, yeah. boom, local yeah. grown. All right, more Tommy tirades on Twitter. Uh, okay, here is Elizabeth Warren, which you know I've got a problem with her. She says it's hard to find childcare. Mom, she's Cherokee like you. Well, I got high <laughs> cheekbones too. And so if, if you think you're a woman, let's take a look. Because if you don't have anything to hide, why do you carefully look up your skirt? It's hard to find a child care if you can't find it. You might not be able to afford it. I know. If you can't find it and afford it, there might be a waiting list eight miles long. Eminem. <laughs> As a country, we need to, here it is, invest in universal, there's your nationalistic concept, child care, so we can build a child future for every family. Now, what I said, as a country, we are in debt. Investment is for those with capital. We don't have capital. We're paying interest on indebtedness. As a country, Elizabeth, you don't have any money to invest. My kid would say, I want a Corvette. Don't scream, Tom. My child would say, I want a Corvette. And I said, well, you don't have any money. <laughs> and did you see this one? Conservative icon, Josh Duggar. Since when was Josh Duggar ever, like Ellen was more of a conservative icon than Josh Duggar. Now, there was about two months. Uh, Josh I know Duggar. because he played a Santorum, key role baby. in my campaign for Santorum. There it is. He came to Tulsa and he, he was my hero.
for about two weeks. Two weeks. Well, take yeah. it to the mat. Uh, so yeah. what? What? He, he's been arrested. He rearrested for something else. Some sexual thing, you know. No, it's it's. They're claiming they found pornography on his website. I mean, on his oh, computer. Hunter Biden, you know, please. It's um, this one I have serious questions about. Just about I mean, legitimacy. Look, did you look. see the? Did you 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 talk about Hunter Biden? You see the 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 interview that that uh, Rudy Giuliani gave, and when the FBI came and raided his house, yeah, he said, "Why aren't you the the subpoena or the um, the warrant calls for the seizing of all." electronic and computer um items or however it phrased it mm -hmm. and and he said well here's hunter biden's computer it's here in my possession here you need to take this too oh, that like, oh no 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 we don't want that that's <laughs> <laughs> something because he, all right and and even though they were doing this to him he's trying to get it into the public record but yeah that's what mike lindell they, they won't have they won't touch it that's what but, Mike Lindell did was when he quit doing his thing and they called him, he said, well, did you hear about Dominion? And then that's how it got back in the news. Yeah, but I, I just want to say Josh Duggar and, and his siblings, I got to know several of them. We hung out together over a few rallies and his, you know, folks, his grandmother's there and that yeah, solid people, solid people. And uh, now, does he have, you know, his own demons he's fighting? Does he have his own temptations? Look, yeah. come on. Just when like you live in a... Like oh, I do. Oh, them please agree. When you live in a police state where everything's illegal, when we say it is, you can they can they can pull it up. And what did they say about Trump? Oh yeah, a, a whore's pissing on a bed. It never even happened. What right. do we know about the Duggar well, thing? There, therein lies Tom the entirety of the problem. If you have a government that is so untrustworthy that you actually have a criminal. And we don't know if Josh Duggar is truly a criminal or not. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't personally, but that's that's just ignorance. That doesn't mean yeah. that he's not. But when, when government is so bad, so evil and immoral and corrupt as they are, yeah. that everything is now questionable, there's the problem. Let's yeah. fix that yeah. it's selective. they clean up their act then we can hope that maybe they could act right. it's selective it. outrage is what it is they decided they're going to be selectively outraged about duggar but not about hunter tom right. the most powerful organized crime syndicate in the united states is our justice department and our fbi in particular oh, yeah. they I are the most criminal I had no idea that Tommy's Twitter tirade was going to be this great. Uh, you hit on truth, Tom. You hit on truth. So moving on from the conservative icon, I don't even know how they oh, got that. Look at this. This this has to do with the uh, this has to do with the ridiculous yes, attack. So they keep saying that when you want to challenge electors in a presidential election, somehow Nathan Dom is outrageous, right? Uh, but I have continued to say that gay sex and pedophilia are more outrageous than challenging state electors during a presidential election. Uh, but then this Gavacho 1223, oh God, he's a desperate wannabe needing attention. He's like three notches lower than Blake Barber. It's amazing. 
It's amazing. But he believes anything he has on the internet. And of course, my standard apology comes with Kathy Griffin hanging a bloody head. Anytime I apologize to the progressives, there it is right there. <laughs> I repeat, here's what I've noticed also. I repeat stuff all the time because their arguments from 125 years ago are the same. I can. Yeah. So here we go. Gender gap. And you know, I'm still going to try. I've got to stick, sit down and write my article. I did an article on the verbal Viking blog about the wage, the minimum wage and uh, Deborah Giss speaks in slur science. I've got to do my gender gap is the gender gap. Here's libertarianism.org. These poor people don't even know they're globalists. They haven't read their mm -hmm. own platform. They're like Craig Squawk and Dawkins. Oh, he's okay, not so, libertarian. Yes, actually they are. They all pretend. So it's a gender. He's renounced libertarianism. As he well, and in six months he'll renounce something else too, yeah. and just like his third uh, one. He's a hardcore liberal. Craig used to be a blogger with Sooner Politics. Never more. Well, there's no reason to. So. Uh, libertarianism.org says the gender gap is the cause of, is, uh, is the gender gap trying to stoke some of the imagination of thought is the gender gap, the cause of sexual discrimination or is sexual discrimination, the cause of gender gap, this typical egg versus chicken thing. Right. And of course, like I said earlier, slavery created racism. It's not the other way around. I, and I didn't invent it. I learned this from the, the man named Thomas Sowell. Look it up. Walk, read the book, uh, the, the Real History of Slavery. Slavery created racism. There is no gender gap. The wage gap is simply a social construct that only exists within the extrapolation of data, G.T. Bynum, to create a composite entity that does not exist in physical reality. Otherwise, if that were not true, women cannot logically be viewed as equal. That is, if the wage gap exists, then women aren't equal. Women are either equal <laughs> and there's no wage gap. Or the wage gap is there and women just can't compete because they have the inferior genitalia. Poor women. How yeah. is it that I love the inferior genitalia? What the hell is wrong with me? Tom? So here it is. Yes, sir. It was on this date in 1993. I was setting up a retail outlet in Wewoke, Oklahoma. And the lady I hired as manager, I said, well, tell me about the makeup of the town. Tell me about the people. What do you know? Because I had to hire local people to run it. It was Memorial Flower Shop. Yeah. And uh, she said, well, we have, you know, the white folks here. There's some Indians, there's blacks, and then there's freedmen. I said, what are freedmen? At that time, I'd never heard of the word freedmen. He says, you, she says, you know what freedmen are? I said, what? And then somebody was walking down the street. There's some main street. says, well, there goes one right now. I said, that's a black man. He said, she says, yes. But he was, his, his uh, ancestry was owned by Indians, not white folk. Therefore, he's a step down the ladder of society. And the black folk looked down on him. This was according to a racist white woman from Wewoka. But that was my introduction to uh, <laughs> freedmen versus blacks in Oklahoma. So to finalize Tommy's Twitter tirade, Fox 23 uh, promotes the idea that students at Tulsa Public Schools were going to wear masks despite... Mm -hmm the expiration of the city mandate. And of yep. course, do I call that child abuse? Yes. Because it is child abuse. It is. It was child abuse when the city mandated it.
Bingo. That is correct. But and the city didn't really mandate it for kids. I mean, there was no it teeth. It doesn't matter. It, it, it was it always used when a child was forced. That's correct. Yeah, That's yeah correct. I'm just saying that there was no force of law for, for minors. There's never been force of law for any age. Well, I'm talking about the application of cops. So again, I, I, there's been no force of law. It's been force of yeah. tyranny. There's a gradient. There's a gradient scale between B. <laughs> there's a gradient. There's a gradient scale between being saved and salvation. And what we do here on 3D Politics is we are able to analyze the final version of what's accurate according to Oldham and the incremental accuracy of man on our way there. And me, I'm just the brilliant host that's able to bring all of us together. And so what we know, though, is that Forcing a child to wear a mask is child abuse. The hypocrisy from GT Bynum at the city level has been to follow CDC guidance as long as it shoves you down. But the minute CDC guidance says children are free and you can go outside, GT Bynum says, no, let's continue to uh, maintain the mask. And I know I sound inaccurate because I'm mentioning GT Bynum. GT Bynum did say that about the mask mandate is going to extend through uh, the end of the last month, even though the CDC said you don't need it. And now TPS, who's uh, arm in arm with GT Bynum, they're going to continue to abuse the children. I cannot believe you would send your children. Let me shame you parents out there. Like GT, but <laughs> don't send your children to a place that abuses your children. Yep. Uh, that would be the yeah. Tulsa public schools. And remember, not oh, only are they school. they're yep. giving away free vaccines, but free PK, pre-K. Who who wouldn't want free pre-K except for that baby hunter in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? You people, I mean, you, you, you might as well let your kids swim in, in floodwaters. Thank you. <laughs> Shame on you, GT Bynum, for not following the lead of your superior, Kevin Governor Stitt. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, let's get out of here. Right, Tom, let me pl plug something for next week. That's okay. All it is. And also, it's let's remind everybody of the OKC event uh, yeah. with Langford. Okay. All right. David Van, going to tell you what's going next on. Next we go. week, we're going to talk deep dive in uh, matters of color, ethnicity, uh, tribe and race, and we're going to break down how they're interchanged and they shouldn't be, and uh, and there it's it's all bogus. And then the other thing, uh, plugging for uh, coming up in June, say, save the date. Uh, Jackson Water, uh, Jackson Water, Jackson Lawmeyer is bringing um, General Mike Flynn. This is Trump's pick for national security advisor. That's right. Hosted by Clay Clark, who is uh, very nearly single-handedly, yeah. I'm sure he would deny that, opening up America via Florida, DeSantis, Dr. Willie J. Montague. Uh, and, but we have personally got, got a great opportunity here at 3D Politics. Yeah. Uh, Jackson Lawmeyer has personally invited us to show up at the OKC Freedom Rally on this date, June 26th. And he said he would bring the general Flynn by our table. We, we need supporters and promoters and people who will help 
fun 3D politics sponsors, that is, to get us to Oklahoma City in June. So that is our show for tonight, this evening. Yeah, let me, let me do one last, one, more. one last plug real fast. Do it. Do it. Shared it last week, but the not, Tulsa Nine Twelve Project, Nigel Farage. Oh, yes. Oh, that's right. That's right. The May meeting, May 13th. Nigel Farage, there's his picture for those who don't know him. And he will be here. You can go to um, the Tulsa Nine Project, Nine Twelve Project Facebook page. Excellent. Find the links and and sign up. We do need you to sign up um, so that we know how many people are coming. We got to make sure we can fit everybody okay. in the building. Excellent. Uh, so, is that a Thursday night? That's a Thursday evening. All right. Yeah, and it's going to be, I think it's still planned for a sanctuary church, uh, the uh, campus Correct. there, 31st between Sheridan and Memorial. The, but the old watching Lake it, Assembly it of God. It may but, change if we need more space. Right. But right now, that's where we're planning. Correct. Yep. Gotcha. Correct. Anything else, gentlemen? That's it. Well, there you go, kiddies. Here we go again with 3D Politics. My fine co-hosts, uh, David Van. And David Oldham, I am the Verbal Viking, Tommy McKay, all three of us here with you every Monday night on Facebook Live. Catch us at Facebook uh, Live at 3dpoliticslive.com, 3D Politics on Facebook, and 3dpoliticslive.com is where you find everybody. Guys, I appreciate you being here this evening, and we'll take everybody out as we head that way. Thanks again, you guys. David Van, David Oldham, and your verbal Viking host, Tommy McKay. Every week. Three D. Politics.